Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Uh, you know, last week we, uh, we I started a message. I was going to call it the, uh, the, the mission, the message, and then like middle of the night before I preached, I came up with the third one, the messenger. And last week we covered the mission and the message, and I said this week I would cover the messenger. And it really seemed appropriate because Padrina really wanted me to preach on missions on Mission Sunday, so I hope I did a good job. But uh, we're still kind of on the theme of missions, and because we are, I thought um, I'd share with you guys some of the things that we're doing in India. Uh, as you guys know, Rin Kim is from India, and we've been able to partner with her uncle over there and uh, do some ministry. So if you would welcome Rin Kim to come up, and she's got a few photos uh, that she's going to share. Yes, that's your cue. You come on up. Welcome Rin Kim to come up. Yeah, I instructed him too. I'm all, I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. So make her feel welcome. Thank you. How many of you remember the fear that gripped everyone all across the world, young and old, when COVID first uh, spread it? Yeah. And how many of you followed the news all around the world and had your heart sink? So when the news of COVID-19 first came out, India took drastic measures to stop the spread. You know, India is a country of almost 2 billion people. You have to do whatever you can do to stop the spread fast, you know. So shutdowns happened almost immediately without any warning, leaving little time for preparation for everybody to prepare for what was to come. So people got stranded everywhere, and uh, the saddest, some of the saddest stories in history happened during that time in COVID. So around that time, BJ and I uh, felt called by God to help in whatever possible way we could help, but it was just the two of us. We could not help the whole world, so we started praying. We prayed to God for specific directions on where to give so that our money would go a long way and also where uh, help would be needed or appreciated the most. So we prayed and God did give us directions in our heart. And we also uh, sought advice and counsel from my uncle that Vijay mentioned. He is, uh, we send money from here and he does all the ground job, you know, it's like a miracle. He does all the work for us. So the advice, the counsel that he gave us um, actually confirmed uh, where God was leading us to give. So the place where we gave um, during this time was, uh, like I said, my uncle was an evangel is an evangelist he travels very widely so he knows almost every religion so he knows of this group of christians little group of christians that live in a non-christian village so again it's a non-christian village and they have a little group of people a christian that live among them and this village is stuck in between uh the town where all the you know developments and everything happen and the rural areas, the village where people lived off the land. So they were really stuck in between. And uh, their main livelihood was working on the railroad construction. So when shutdown happened and the railroad 
construction stopped, their livelihood was cut off immediately. And uh, our initial intention was just to help the Christians. We did not think that we could help the entire village. We, I did not have the faith to do that. So we, first, we started the first round with just a handful of Christians. So, so we sent help for the Christians. The second time around, we sent help for the Christians again. But all along, you know, it was very hard to live with the fact that just knowing that um, you're providing for the Christians and their non-Christian neighbors are going hungry. You know, that was very hard. And so we took a big leap of faith and we said, we are not just going to help only the Christians. This time we are going to help the entire village so that everybody would go to bed filled you know, with a full stomach. So which was what we did, and God helped us and increased us. And, um, uh, yeah. So uh, we did not even count how many times we gave because it was not up to us. Uh, It wasn't like we can give for so many times. We were committed to see through this till the end, till the end, as in till the country opened up again or till they got back their jobs again. And so um, the Christian, non-Christians, everybody were happy. And this just reminded, you know, me of um, it's all about who you know. You know, some people want to know people in the high places, in governments and in businesses and all. But if you know a Christian, you know the source of everybody, everything, you know. Uh, so this, the Christians in this, the non-Christians in this village were blessed because of the Christians that lived among them. So your family is blessed because they have a Christian living in among them. Knoxville is blessed because it has Christians living in Knoxville. And our country and the world is blessed because it has Christians, God children, living in it. Um, you know, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45 says, He makes it rain on both good and evil, and He makes the sunshine on both good and evil. Yeah. So uh, we got a few words of encouragement uh, from the villagers. So the village headman made a statement. You know, when the village headman made a statement, it is a very, very big deal. So he said, our government has forgotten about us. So this village is, uh, the village headman forgot to register the village in the government. And so when the government of India gave helps and you know, uh, the financial assistance and all of that for people that were badly hit by COVID, they got left out. So our government has forgotten about us. Our people have forgotten about us. You know, in India, you have groups of people, you know, based on what language you speak, what, and you have cultures and traditions. So their own group of people forgot about them. But this is what they said. Only Christians came to help us, which, which was everything that I wanted to hear. You know, the church... Um, sent out pastors and evangelists and preachers and missions, outreach missions into the village to preach the gospel. So they heard the gospel. So they have heard about this son of God called Jesus Christ that loved them, that died for them, and they are willing to help them, provide them not just with food that perished, you know. And so last year they got to see it, experience it, and eat the fruit of that love. Praise the Lord. Yeah. 
And another number two uh, word of encouragement that we heard was that um, the non-believers, again, this is a non-believing village, and they have a small group of uh, Christians living among them. So the non-believers were very unfortunately hostile towards the, uh, the Christians. And the preacher that goes into the village to minister to the Christian church in that village was also not welcomed into their homes. But this time, that's not the case anymore. Now the preacher can go into their homes, preach the gospel, pray for them, and help them whenever they needed help. And not just that, um, my sister also went in, and she prayed for a lady that was known to be sick for a very, very long time, and that was on her sick bed. So she laid hands on her and prayed for her, and the next morning was Sunday morning, and then she went to church to testify that God healed her. So God is so willing to prove himself to this village. And not only that, my sister went to home after home, visiting every home and praying for their sick. She did not go to pray. She went to pray for the sick. And she said the hardest of the hearts got broken and melted down. She said there was this one lady that was so um, mouthing, mouthing off to my sister and yelling at her. She was mad because my sister would even dare to go into her home, but when my but she had a sick family member. So when my sister offered to pray for that sick family member, she wrapped her arms around my sister and broke down and cried. And so God is so willing to uh, prove himself to this village and the Holy Spirit is working in there. And not only that, my uncle has a the plan like to go into that village with force. When I say force, I don't mean physical force, you know. He's going to put together a team. They are going to fast and pray and prepare. And when they are ready, they are going to have what you would call like tent meeting back in the day in America. You know, they would have healing and deliverance and preaching and they want to get everybody in that village saved because everybody needs to be saved. Everybody in the whole world needs to be saved and know the Lord. Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior because he's the only true God. And if you do not worship the only true God, which is Jesus Christ, you will have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. So this is serious business, serious mission. We need to get the whole world saved. So I have talked enough now. I will let you see the few pictures that I put together for you all, and I will go through them with you. Can it? Okay, so this is one of the first pictures that we received. They are probably the Christians that first got the two rounds of food and supplies that we sent. And uh, there, this is the young people unloading the bags of rice. And that's them, again, stacking the bags of rice before they could be distributed to every village, every household. During the shutdown, it was so difficult, and he had to get permission, permit from the government authorities, yeah, to, to even get these rice. It was very difficult to get these bags of rice, too. And uh, this is the village elder receiving uh, the food with thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for his abundant providence. And, okay, pause there. <laughs> 
Much later did I come to know that it was not easy to carry those bags of rice to their village. So my uncle would take this vehicle to the farthest point where a vehicle would go. And from there, they would unload it, what you saw. They unloaded it and stacked it at the side of the road. And they would carry those bags of rice on their backs, walk down the hill, cross the river. There's a small river. And then walk up the hill again and enter into their village. And that's them climbing up the hill with bags of rice on their backs. And uh, yeah, we can pause there for a minute. So this is the village church, the church. Uh, it's made from bamboo, and that's why you see sun rays coming in from everywhere through the holes and the gaps. And this is the um, Advent Christmas Christmas Eve, Advent Christmas, that they went to celebrate with uh, the, my mom, my uncle, my sister, our church elders and pastors, and our friends went to uh, celebrate Christmas with them. So this is outside the church. They are caroling and singing Christmas songs. And that's outside the church again. And that's probably the pastor giving a benediction. I think it's probably early afternoon, but he had to give the benediction because they have to go home, because they have to go by foot, walk down the hill again, cross the little river, walk up again, and uh, you know, travel, walk on foot by the rail, the, following the railway track back to the town. And it might be dark before they get home, so they had to walk fast. Is that all? Okay, so did you enjoy the pictures? Okay, so those are the pictures. And um, one thing that I learned from this pandemic experience, just a personal experience, is um, I did not see this when we first started it. And I did not see this even when we were doing it. But when December came and the country opened again and people went back to work, and I realized one thing, that we have to strike the iron while it is hot. We have to seize opportunities. We have to work while it is day because night is coming when we won't be able to labor for the kingdom anymore. Because if you send help now, right now, it might not mean the same thing anymore. They will be happy, but it won't be a miraculous act from God anymore. So I have learned, and uh, I wish I had done that to not just one, but two, three, four villages, you know. I wish I had done that not just with India, but with Nepal and um, Asian countries and South American countries and in Africa and everywhere. I wish I had done that. But, uh, you know, I'm so glad that I learned that lesson sooner than later, <laughs> before it was too late, because my regret for not doing something for God uh, when I meet him face to face, that regret will be worse than how I feel right now. You know, so that was a good lesson that I learned. And I say this to my family members and my friends again and again, and I want to say this to you. When the Lord comes, if he comes during our lifetime, and we get raptured, you know, and we meet him up in the air, you know, and he takes us to be with him, if he does come in our lifetime, Yes, we will be happy that we are up with him. Yes, we will be happy that we are saved. But we will also be very, very sad when we look down from up there and see the people that we left behind. Because we did not preach. Because we did not share the gospel with them. 
we have to share the gospel. We cannot be selfish and have God to ourselves. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Okay, another um, very encouraging story. Uh, we have been helping this man and his family um, for a few years now. He is a very evil man. And uh, he beat up his wife, and his wife would come to my parents' house black and blue. And uh, his wife would beg my parents to take their children because she was afraid that her husband would kill their children uh, because he was that abusive. He was drunk all the time. So my parents took in their son, the little one. They could not take in all three of them. Uh, but we helped them with their schooling and their boarding and everything from a distance. And this is what he said, or, uh, or this is what we heard through his wife. <laughs> he is a changed man now. He said, my family members hated me because I was an evil man. They would not even talk to me. My village shunned me and would not talk to me and did not love me because I was an evil man. But somebody loved me and took care of my family, something that I could not do by myself. And so he changed. We did not even preach to him. He just changed and he gave his life to God. And now he is he's leading worship in church, and he is playing the drums, not the fancy drum that Tom plays. It's you know just one drum and one beat. You know? But he's a changed man. And, um, yeah, and continue to pray for him and pray for the village too because they have big uh, operations coming up. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Saying we just wanted to share with you some of the things because you never you never know how you know what seems small and insignificant to us can literally change in another environment. It can really really just bring life where there was no life, you know? It's a, you know, how how hard is it just to send school fees, you know, in in that one situation and change that man's life? Now, who knows who he'll impact, right? So we're really excited about what God is doing in India through her uncle and her family and that we're able to be a part of it from here. So we can't wait to go. So y'all be praying with us, praying for us, because we are going to go to India. We're planning a trip. We don't have the dates yet. Of course, Anybody who's known me for more than a year <laughs> knows I've been saying this for forever, but we are planning a trip. We're hoping to go this summer now that things look like they're opening up, and then we'll get to hopefully walk to that village and meet those people and, and uh, go wherever else her uncle will take us. So we're excited about it. So just wanted to share that with you. So, oh, man, I really got to preach fast now. <laughs> it's okay. She already preached. That was good. I should have just had her do an altar call, and we could have... <laughs> Um, that's all. We're, we're, it's actually really, what time is it really? It's actually early 10 o'clock, right? So we've got along. We've got time. Yeah. <laughs> the mission, the message and the messenger. Uh, last week, we looked at the um, Great Commission. We were just talking about, you know, what a couple aspects of it. The church has a mission. The mission is from God. You know, as a church that would sit down and write a mission statement, we really don't have the freedom to change what God said. <laughs> That's our mission. It's already determined for us. It's been given to us. Now, we can decide 
given our resources, how are we going to accomplish this mission? Exactly like what she was sharing. Uh, you know, we had this opportunity at this village. At first we were thinking, you know, oh man, those people out in the, out in the far-flung villages, they'll be cut off, they'll be hurting. And then I, I was praying about it. And it's like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. Let's talk to your uncle. So we talked to her uncle and we found this village, like she said, trapped between the civilization and the far-flung villages. The people who are out there, they're kind of isolated, living off the land. They were, they were okay. The people in the cities had relief. But this village was a unique opportunity to, uh, to reach them with the gospel. And uh, uh, if you'll go with me to um, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, just a quick review. Jesus says, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And then he says, behold, I am with you always. Okay, very quickly to Mark 16, 15, something very similar. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And drop down to verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the words by signs that followed. Okay, the first one, he says, go and preach, I am with you always. The second one, go and preach, the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word. Look at the, the, the Luke's version of it, Luke 24, 47. Jesus said that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And then skip two verses down to 49. I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And finally, look at John 20, 21 and 22. Just as the Father has sent me, so in the same way that the Father sent Jesus, he says, I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, do you see something common with all four of these? There's a commandment and a promise of his presence his empowerment, and the Holy Spirit in every single one. Matthew says, I am with you always. Mark, he says, the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word. Luke says, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then John said, after he said, I'm sending you, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this commission is something that we're supposed to do together with God something that he empowers us to do. It's not our work. We can't change a soul, but we do carry the spirit that can bring life to a new person and bring the new birth. So when we come to the book of Acts, which remember, this would be week four, I think, in our study of the book of Acts. Week four, I mentioned, I think in the very first week that Acts one and eight is kind of like the outline for the whole book. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth. So the book of Acts has just taken that record of the gospel going from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then in the end of the book, we end up in Rome, which capital city of, the, of their world, you know, at that time. But we know after the book of Acts, that Acts only covers about 30 years of history. And then we know from church history, it expands way beyond that up till the present time. It's continued to grow. What's interesting to me about the book of Acts is it's the only book in the entire Bible that is our story in the sense that in the Old Testament, it was given to the Jews. It prefigured what Jesus was going to do. 
It was types and shadows, right? Jesus came and we have, in the New Testament, we have five historical books. Four of them are the story of Jesus before the cross. There were no Christians when Jesus was ministering. There was nobody baptized in the Holy Spirit when Jesus was ministering except for Jesus. So when we read the gospels, really the only person we can identify with in the gospels is Jesus. He's our pattern. He's our prototype. He is our example. And then, you know, out of, what is it, 4,000 years of, well, about 2,000 years of Old Testament, 4,000 years of Old Testament history, and then we get to the New Testament, and we only have about, you know, 30 years of history, really. Well, six, probably 60, I guess, somewhere in there, right? You probably know, Michael. About, about 30 in the Gospels and another 30 in Acts. Very small sliver to kind of set us the right direction. But in the book of Acts, you see what the church looks like. It's a book of beginnings. It's the book of Jesus's ministry at the right hand of the Father. It's a book of this new creation being that never existed before called the Christian. It's the beginning of a church filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. So there are two central ingredients to the Great Commission. Two. One is your willingness to go and teach and proclaim. The second one is God's willingness to accompany and confirm the message when you preach it. You can go and proclaim all kinds of things, anything you want. But without that spirit, people won't be changed. But for some reason, God has ordained that through the spirit, we preach. He says, go and I'll be with you. Go and I'll work with the words you say when you speak my words. Isn't that good? The message. The message, uh, last week I summed it up like this. I said the message is basically the account of how God is reaching out to a broken human race through Jesus. Because there are a lot of times we try to simplify the message. And, you know, life is complicated. There's a lot of nuance in life. And we don't want a simplistic solution that doesn't really answer everything. I'm not saying the gospel is complicated, but what Jesus did, I mean, anybody reading through the Bible, okay, I mean, look at what, what he did at the cross, what he did in defeating Satan. What does the new birth look like? Is it, a, is it a renewing of the mind? Is it a coming into a new kingdom? Is it a regeneration in the heart? Is it a new creation? All these different ways to describe this thing that God does, right? It's not simplistic, but it's very easy to receive, right? You call on his name. And all of this stuff happens that volumes are written about. Not just the volume of the Bible, but I mean, volumes of works that scholars have written over the years. You know, just go get you a set of commentaries. You know, there a lot of, lot of ideas and people trying to understand what, what really happened. And, and we try to simplify it in a way to communicate it. And that's good. That's a good thing. I'm not complaining about that at all. But uh, I think the best way I could sum it up is it's God reaching out to a broken human race through Jesus. So it has to include then God's witness of himself through nature, God's witness of himself through the law in the Old Testament, God's witness of himself um, uh, through your, your circumstances sometimes. The fact that we will give an account to God for how we lived our lives is another aspect that has to do with the judgment to come. That's part of the gospel that was proclaimed in Acts. Obviously, Jesus' work at the cross is a big one, right? 
two major aspects of that that I see is, first of all, his substitution for us where he bore everything in our place, bore our sins, bore our sicknesses, carried them away. And the other one is through the cross, he literally overcame and defeated the powers of the devil and the grave and sickness and hell. So there's two aspects of that. Basically, you can sum that up as this, Jesus is king. He came here, he lowered himself so that he could even, you know, like I say, get in the ring with the devil and he defeated him and became the champion, the victor. So you've got all of this packed in there. And, uh, but it's not enough, like I said, the gospel is power. We say knowledge is power, but the gospel is powerful in a different way because the gospel actually is the seed of life. When the gospel goes in, it grows in hearts and it changes a heart. So that's why it must be administered with the cooperation of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's why that he probably told them, wait in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Because where this message is preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, people get saved. 1 Corinthians one twenty one says this, for since, in the creation, uh, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now, if you're like me, you'll be like, but God, that doesn't make any sense. How can I say it in a way that makes sense? And we work it out. When, when, I, when you write curriculum for kids, you're trying to think, how can I make it make sense to a kid? And that's good. But I think sometimes we, we maybe worry too much about it because God is like, oh, don't worry about it. It's, it, it is foolishness. I got it. <laughs> I got the spirit. Just proclaim it. Jesus is king. God wants to have a relationship with you through Jesus. Call on his name. Uh, don't worry. I got the spirits working. You proclaim that. Yeah, things will happen. I'll, I'll take it from there. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for being a carrier of the Holy Spirit. That's really what it's about. He's saying it with the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. We go against human wisdom and we proclaim a message. And God goes against human nature and saves those who believe. It doesn't make sense. It's not going to. We shouldn't waste too much time trying to make it make sense, except for we don't want to be offensive, especially with things that might be things that we believe that are not things that God is actually doing. You know, we do, we do have a habit of putting a lot of tr tradition sometimes on things that we believe, where we've come from, what we do. You know, we want to make sure that we're not carrying a tradition that's going to make people offended that God really does not need us to be do <laughs> doing that. You get what I'm saying? But where we proclaim the message, where we proclaim Jesus is king, uh, Paul said that was what? Offensive to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Just didn't make any sense. But for those who believe, it's the power of God unto salvation. If there is anybody more qualified to be a witness, to be a preacher, it had to be those disciples. They ate with him. They walked with him. They saw the miracles. They rode the boat with him when they were about to die and he calmed the storm. They went with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw all this stuff. They got to hang with him. You know, we read the Gospels and I wonder when the Bible says things like, oh, and he was walking with them explaining the kingdom. Like, details, details. 
Tell me what he said. <laughs> give, me, give me details. That's not enough. But, you know, they got to go from town to town with him by foot, just hear him talk. And, I mean, they probably heard his opinion on, you know, what color of robe he really liked to wear. I don't know. But they got to spend time with him in a way that we haven't. I'd like to hear his jokes. <laughs> I would. I'd like to know what just made him bust up laughing, you know? I'd like to know what, you know, if there was anything that could have possibly irritated him, what was that? <laughs> you know, spending time with him, this is what they got to do, right? If anybody was more qualified to, to, to uh, be the, the witnesses, I mean, they were, they were it, right? But he told them, you don't have enough. Wait in the city. You need this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. That's what makes us able to be witnesses and ministers of the gospel, right? See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's the beginning of that. Um, remember what Jesus said, it is better for you if I go, because if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit, right? This is the beginning of that life. So as good as it was for the disciples, there was another thing coming. It was called the, it's for better if you that I go life of the book of Acts. I don't know if it was really called that. I don't think you'll find that in any books. But it, we're, we're in a time period right now where Jesus actually said it, was, it is better right now. The, the relationship that we can have with him through the Holy Spirit is better than what they had, walking with him, talking with him. I think, he t I think he'll probably tell you jokes <laughs> even now. I really do. 2 Corinthians 2.12 um, it says this, Paul said, the distinguishing marks of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. The message and the messenger. Paul needed this connection with God. It wasn't just intellectual. You remember when he said to the Corinthians, I've come to you not uh, in enticing words of human wisdom, but what? A demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's saying here. The distinguishing marks of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. Until we've preached with signs and wonders and miracles, have we done the duties of a true apostle? Have we really preached the gospel? He said, I work with your words. So we need to go after this. This is something we need to have in our lives, in our church, in our witness out there. We need the witness of the Holy Spirit. We need it desperately. Now, if you'll go with me, I'm, I'm going to uh, go with me to Acts chapter 19. I'm going to open my Bible here. You guys aren't going to get too mad if I go five minutes over, are you? <laughs> okay. Acts chapter 19. Starting at verse 1. Now Paul is on a missionary journey here. It says, It came about that while Paul, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus and found some disciples. So um, basically, if you would go back to the chapter before, this character called Apollos, who was a preacher of the gospel, he had just gone through this town called Ephesus. 
he left, went up to Corinth, and then Paul came through Ephesus, okay? And uh, you can read about that in uh, 1825. Something interesting about Apollos. It says, This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was accurately speaking and teaching the things about Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. So this man named Apollos was out here preaching accurately the things about Jesus. But he hadn't had this experience that the disciples had in Acts chapter 2 where they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in only the baptism of John. And if you read it, and just be honest with the text, it presents it as a problem. He was being acquainted only with the baptism of John. This is a problem for Luke, who's writing this. Listen to this in the Weymouth translation. Apollos had been instructed by word of mouth in the way of the Lord, being full of burning zeal. He used to speak and teach accurately the facts about Jesus, though he knew of no baptism but John's. The Holman translation says that this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. So somebody taught him. This was handed to him. He knew about the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, I mean, he was a charismatic guy for sure. He spoke and taught the things about Jesus accurately, although he knew only John's baptism. You see, doesn't it present it like this is something missing here, right? CEV, the contemporary English version he also knew much about the Lord's way, and he spoke about it with great excitement. I really want to be a great, exciting preacher. I like that kind of preaching. I want to, it's great. Pray for me. I want to do that. <laughs> he spoke with great excitement. He yelled and spit and everything. <laughs> what he taught about Jesus was right, it says in the CEV but all he knew was John's message about baptism. So that means he was, con he was familiar with uh, the Apostle John. Probably people who had been baptized by the Apostle John would have met him at some point, and he was probably dunked and put under for re repentance of sins. He came up, he was baptized for repentance. Listen to the message. Apollos was accurate in everything he taught about Jesus, up to a point, but he only went as far as the baptism of John. So he was right as far as he went. He just didn't go far enough. Would you all agree that this is presented here as a problem? Yes. Something missing. Now, do you remember I told you um, a couple weeks ago that one of the ways you can organize the book of Acts is you can uh, see a parallel between Peter's ministry and Paul's ministry. They, they, they had a lot of similarities. They both, you know, raised the dead. They both healed a cripple. There, there seems to be a parallel because Peter was the one who preached the gospel to the Jews. Paul took it to the Gentiles. And so one of the, one of the ways you can organize the book, you know, for an interesting study is to say, okay, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, is, is paralleling what God did through Peter to the Jews. And it's kind of a, a demonstrates the proof of how God is taking the gospel from a Jerusalem movement to the nations, okay? This is an interesting parallel. So if you go back to Acts chapter 8, you see that Peter and the apostles in Jerusalem had a similar situation. Listen to uh, Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 5. This man named Philip, 
again, Philip wasn't one of the apostles, like Apollos wasn't, but he went down to the city of Samaria and he began proclaiming the Christ to them. The crowds were paying attention with one mind to what was being said by Philip as they heard and they saw the signs which he was performing. This man was doing miracles. I like Philip. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice and many who had been paralyzed or limped with cr or on crutches were healed. I mean, the cripple were getting healed. This is cool stuff. This would be enough to get any of us excited. This, this is what we would call a Holy Ghost meeting to see those kinds of things happening. But listen to what it says in verse 14, 814. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter, them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them and had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. At that time, those who believed, they had not received the Holy Spirit. They'd been baptized. So Apollos knew how to go, I baptize you for the forgiveness, for repentance from sins. Philip knew how to say, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. But at this point, nobody received the Holy Spirit. So let me just ask you a question just to think about. Were they saved when they were baptized and believed the gospel? Yes, they just didn't receive the power. Yeah, this is, a, this is actually a point of debate in some, for some people, just to let you know. Because uh, the question is, if they were saved, then there's more to experience in God besides the work of the Holy Spirit at salvation. If they weren't saved, then that preaching wasn't very productive, was it? <laughs> no, I believe they were saved. The way the Luke used the words is consistent with that. They were following Jesus. There was something else for them. So when we get over to, uh, go back to your, I hope you kept your place in Acts 19, look at verse 2. Paul said to them, did you, he just, Paul just asks them, just comes right out. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So were they saved? Same thing. P Apollos came with fervency and zeal and they believed. They believed the gospel message about Jesus. So we have, we have a scenario here where either they're not saved, and that means Apollos' preaching of the word was pretty much ineffective, or they were saved, and there is more to experience in God. I'm telling you, there is so much to experience in God. This is just the beginning. Do you remember what John said um, uh, in Luke? Let's see. Yeah. Oh, let me get my place here. I got off my notes. You know, it's always dangerous when you get off your notes because you, you don't always know where you can come back to them. What I see here in this um, passage, though, is this. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we have not even heard whether there was a Holy Spirit. To me, the emphasis here is not on whether you are saved or not. It's have you received the Holy Spirit? You need to be connected to God through this Holy Spirit. It's something that's for you. It was something of so much importance. You know, there are so many different ways that you can uh, describe uh, a salvation experience. But the book of Acts, it just deals over and over and over with what happens at the time when the Holy Spirit comes on a person. 
a baptism of the Holy Ghost, a f- infilling, a falling on of the Holy Spirit. Something for us today. Amen. Verse three, it says, he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is Jesus. Look at Luke 3, 15. This is what, this is what John the Baptist said. The people were in a state of expectation and all they, were, they were all thinking carefully in their hearts about John, whether he himself was perhaps the Christ. John responded to them all saying, as for me, I baptize you with water, but he is coming who is mightier than I. I am not fit to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit? He came up out of the water, Luke chapter 3, 21. Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Now let me ask you this, was Jesus born of the Spirit? Did Jesus receive the Holy Spirit? Are you born again of the Spirit? Does it not stand to reason that we can also receive the Holy Spirit? Makes sense, doesn't it? Jesus is the pattern. He was... uh, Uh, how's the, the, the creeds? He was born by the... I, I think of the Rich Mullins song, if anybody, you guys were Rich Mullins fans. He sang the creed. And he was born of the Spirit. And, uh, he was born of the Spirit. And yet he received the Holy Spirit in this tangible way. So there's something for us to receive the Holy Spirit in a tangible way. And then in um, verse 6, it says this. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. In Acts 2, verse 32 and 33, it says this, it is this Jesus, after they all received the Holy Spirit, they said this, it is this Jesus whom God raised up, a fact to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, since he has been exalted at the right hand of God and has received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, he has poured out that which you both see and hear. So when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, they were out on the street, they were preaching, they were praying, the signs and wonders were happening. And uh, Peter stood up and he said, this is what Jesus did. Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit, and this is what you see in here. It's Jesus who did it. This is one of the things that is also Jesus' continuing work at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. It's something that's for the church. It's for us. We need to not only embrace it, but we need to continue in it. Remember, the book of Acts is a book of beginnings. Beginnings. We're supposed to grow in this. We're supposed to receive it and continue and grow in it. Do you remember when we were looking at the antique electronics, right? How far have we come since that first transistor? How far could we be along this life 
had we grown at the same rate that electronics have increased? What could we be doing for the kingdom? Yet we're all trying to always get back to the book of Acts. But this was our beginning. Look at, listen to this in Acts chapter four. The disciples, Peter and John and those guys, they were, they were you know, being persecuted and arrested and all that. And they got out and they went back to the disciples. And it says, they told them what happened and they were praying. And it records their prayer. It's really a great prayer, asking God to stretch out his hands and do miracles. And it says this, when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Okay, these were the people who are in the upper room in Acts chapter two. You see the continuation, another encounter with the Holy Spirit as a group, the place was shaken. They received boldness. So what I wanna do just in closing today, because I know we're going a little bit long, but it was good. I wanted to share with you guys what, what was happening in India. But um, what I want to do is I want us to be to a point where we are stirred up. Always. Come in here stirred up, ready to go. With that river already flowing. The, the verse I read this morning about Jesus, he says, if you receive this bread of life, you will never hunger and you will never thirst. Could you imagine living that way? Because sometimes, I, I mean, I just want to go to church or go hear preaching or, or pray or something because I feel hungry or I'm thirsty. I have a need. But Jesus said, I can live with him in such a way that I am so well connected to this life that is flowing out of me that I will never hunger and I will never thirst. Can you imagine never being hungry? Never saying, God, I'm so desperate for you. I'm thirsty. I'm in a dry place. Could you imagine never having to say that? That is Jesus's intention, isn't it? It's exactly what he said. A well of water, he said in another place, springing up into eternal life. He who drinks the water that I drink will never thirst. So what I want you guys to do, what I want us to do as a church is be so filled with the Holy Spirit so stirred up already. And I'm not saying, I mean, hey, we go through stuff. Sometimes it's just so great to come here and be in the presence of the Lord. Oh, and be refreshed. But you know, the body is held together by that which each joint supplies. And the rivers that flow among us flow out of each and every one of us. We all need to be contributors to this. What if we just come here ready? Yeah. Now, you know, as far as receiving the Holy Spirit, these, these verses that I read, I know, I know uh, many of you have received that and I've talked to you guys about it. Um, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was five years old. And, uh, you know, there's different, there's different um, ways, there's different traditions of how people would lay hands. You know, you know how I received the Holy Spirit? My parents laid hands on me because my dad was a preacher. He said, prayed for me to receive the Holy Spirit. And I said, go pray. And I went and I prayed and I started praying in tongues. It was that easy. It was that easy. And then I've watched them. That's just kind of how they ministered. They would, they would um, teach it, teach what the word says about it, lay hands on somebody. And then they would go and pray. And sometime during that week or whatever, seeking the Lord, they'd be in, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would come upon them. 
And then there's another way, you know, and, and it's very common around here too, where, you know, we gather around and everybody prays and we call it praying through, you know, until you receive the gift. It doesn't really matter. What you need is that connection with the Holy Spirit. And if you already have it, if you're already there, stir it up, stir it up. He didn't go anywhere. We quit looking sometimes, you know, it, it, it's, it's not that he's gone. He says, I'll send you the Holy Spirit who will be with you forever, always forever. He's not gone. He's there. Stir it up inside of you. That's your assignment this week. Go stir it up. <laughs> Go stir it up and come back, stir it up next week. I want to see what happens. <laughs> Don't forget, stir it up before you come back next week. <laughs> but uh, I, just, I just want to... Um, you know, I don't know if everybody's received that or not, but I just want to tell you, uh, I would be glad to pray with you um, if you would like to. If you would like to uh, stir up on your, you know, if you've received that already and you want to come up here and we just pray together for a few minutes, that'd be awesome too. If you want to go home and stir it up, that's fine too. Just make sure you come back stirred up. <laughs> but uh, I just want to take a few minutes and pray and I just want to open, you know, open the front here. If you do want somebody to pray, we got some great guys here who would be glad to stand here with you and just pray. And uh, what, I what I intend to do today is if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you want to, because that's one of the key things for receiving anything from God. You have to know it's from God, and you have to want to, right? If you're not sure about it, just think about it, pray about it. Come talk to me, call me, we'll talk, we'll go through scriptures. There's a lot more than what I had time to present today. And we'll go through it. When you get to the point that you want to, we'll pray and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. But right now, I just want to go ahead and say a prayer. And as I'm praying, if you want me to stand with you for anything, I also want to open it up for uh, any needs too. I think we need more time. On Wednesday nights, I know most of you guys can't come on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights, we, we have a great time. We, we open the word and then we just start praying and it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. We pray for a lot of needs. I think Padrina went through. I could tell Padrina last Wednesday, you were going through the rows because you were praying for everybody and you were in the order of how they sat. So you all got prayed for really good on Wednesday night. It was awesome. We had a good time of prayer. And, uh, but on Sunday morning here, I'm just going to say a prayer. And then if there's something that you would like to uh, pr have prayer about, and it could be any need, doesn't have to be this, but be willing to pray with you about this too, then just come forward as I pray. And then we'll dismiss and we'll have a time of prayer up here, okay? All right. Father God, we love you. And we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for what you did. Oh at the cross for the blood of Jesus poured out that covers us, that washes us, that cleanses us. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for making us clean and making us right with you, God. Hallelujah. We thank you for your word that you've given us, that, that this word, as it grows, it grows in our hearts. It grows in my heart. It makes me a new person. It changes me. It makes me something I wasn't before. It makes me a new creation. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the witness of the Holy Spirit, the continued work of the Holy Spirit in my life and in this church. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit as we gather together. For you said that wherever two or more 
gathered in my name. I'm right there in the middle of them, Lord. We just acknowledge that. Just worship the Lord with me for a few minutes. Just raise your voices if you're comfortable. Father God, we love you. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are good. You are, you are worthy. You are worthy to receive this praise, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you're doing in this church. We thank you that we do have the Holy Spirit, that you did not leave us as orphans, that you did send us a comforter to be with us forever, Lord, to lead us into all truth to lead us into all truth. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I bless this church. I bless this congregation here. I bless those in the sound of my voice who are participating, who, who have not been able to come today, who are still part of this body, Lord. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in them. I thank you that, like Green Kim said, that when you're around Christians, you get blessed even if you're not. Well, I thank you that even... Even though we are all Christians, I believe, we are blessed because of what God's doing in this church among us. Even those who are not able to be here are just blessed by association because Jesus is with us. God is with us. Lord, I thank you for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, you deserve the glory and the honor, and we give it to you. And in the name of Jesus, in your name, Father God, I speak to the group and I say, in Jesus' name, be blessed, be made whole, and be stirred up this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.